The Viridian Nutrition range of 200 plus award-winning products includes vitamins, minerals, herbs, nutritional oils, specialty supplements, tinctures and balms. All formulated to be helpful, efficacious and pure. By choosing our Viridian Nutrition range, you are one step closer to your goal of 100% wellness. Ethical vitamins with an organic heart. Available at all Browns outlets. Browns and you. There are billions of women passing through similar experiences all around the world and for whatever reason, we often feel like we're alone. It's time to make a point of discussing these topics from a range of viewpoints. These conversations surpass age, race, location. They are relevant to women everywhere. Welcome to The She Word. Conversations that women rarely have, but really should. MAC Cosmetics supports diversity, inclusion, and conscious beauty for all ages, all races, all genders. MAC Cosmetics Malta is proud to support these important conversations. Visit us at Tinye Street, Slima, and let us help you express your true self. Okay, here we go. Welcome to The She Word, conversations that women rarely have but really should. And today's conversation is a conversation that really needs to happen. It's a conversation that keep people, women keep talking to me about. And this show is dedicated to women in the workplace. I'm extremely excited because I have some amazing guests. Sarah Gregg, founder of the real estate giant and the guest on the recent three-part interview series here on The She Word, where you opened up to the reality of a woman in a workplace. And if you haven't seen it yet, go and watch it because it's absolutely brilliant. And Sarah, we laugh quite a lot in it as well, we don't did. we? We did. What a great show that was. It was lovely. We had such a good time. And thank you for coming back for this show. Thank you for I having me. I really you. appreciate. Also, Dr. Amber Wismeyer. Hi. <laughs> the founder of AW Architect and Design, but also someone who has tirelessly campaigned and lobbied to encourage and support women in your industry. Thank you for being here as well. Thank you for having us. You it's are so, nice so welcome. And Fran Moiser, I'm so glad that you're with us as well. A solopreneur. I've never heard that term solopreneur before. <laughs> I love it. A headhunter and talent advisor working with a plethora of inspiring women professionals, also a working mother. And we're going to hear from that perspective as well. So ladies, thank you very much indeed. Thank we're going to unpack this topic of women in the workplace and we're going to approach it from a brutally honest and realistic viewpoint. So I'm going to ask Sarah, first of all, I mean, anybody who's seen the interview that we've done together knows an awful lot about you. But for anyone who hasn't seen it yet, just introduce yourself and exactly who you are. Okay, so I'm a mother of three children, a grandmother to one, Louis, who was born last year. And that was the greatest gift I think I could ever have. Um, I've been in real estate for over 35 years. Um, and that's it, really. That's it. Well, yes. I mean, there, there's a heck of a lot to your story. <laughs> and, and it's all there in that interview. But we're going to be talking about, as I said, women in the workplace. And you you really opened that up in the interview. So we're going to be, I'm going to be hounding you okay. during the course of the next hour. <laughs> I'm ready for you. <laughs> That's it. This is Dawn. Amber, 
A little bit of, I've just given you a very brief introduction to you, but a little bit of background, please. Well, I'm in the construction industry. So that's um, very much a male dominated sector. Um, I am an architect and civil engineer by profession. I founded my studio quite early on in my career. I was in my mid 20s. I absolutely love my job. It's not without its challenges. It can be difficult at times. I work very long hours and it can be stressful, but I, I don't mind because I really enjoy it. Oh, well, I'm glad. But nice. tell me a little bit about your your advocating for women within the industry, because you also do that. You, 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 you're very keen to make sure there's women in the industry. I mean, one way in which I try and push women forward in the industry is through my work at the university. I'm a design tutor with the um, faculty for the built environment. And I do notice that um, maybe our female students are a bit more reserved and a bit more... Um, they need a bit more encouragement to come out of their shell. So for both genders, I, I try and make that a point, you know. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's very important to give um, give the next generation the, the stage that they can stand on and use their voice. Mm -hmm. um, so that's one way in which I, I try and push women forward. Brilliant. Brilliant, brilliant. Fran, listen, you are like me. You're, you're not native to the Maltese Islands. Tell me a little bit about yourself. So um, thank you for having me. And it's great to be in the company of such amazing women. I'm really excited for this. Um, like, uh, like you've mentioned, I'm, uh, you know, the term solopreneur, where does this come from? Um, I've set up my own headhunting firm called FM Search. And someone told me, oh, it's a one-man band. And I said... Actually, it's a one-woman band, so you know to be Good precise <laughs> in that. Um, so um, yes, I'm originally from Romania. I left Romania quite young. I spent um, a good part of my working life in London. I've started there ten years ago. Well, this is my tenth year in Malta. Oh wow! Um, still don't speak Maltese, other than the words that we probably can't say on the show <laughs> today. Um, but uh, hopefully one day. Um, I have uh, an eight-year-old daughter uh, who was born here in Malta. Uh, she didn't want to come in London because she was like, nah, I need the sun. <laughs> so so uh, when we moved here, uh, we, we had her here. Um, and uh, yeah, I work a lot with amazing women. I've seen their struggles in the career force. I've struggled myself as well as a working mum. So uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to, to today's uh, talk. We have such, as you said, such amazing women around the table. And I think one thing I want to be clear about in this discussion is we are not man bashing. We're not taking men and saying, oh, we, you know, we don't earn as much. This discussion is to empower women. And we'll come to that in a second. But I am going to start with some statistics. So with 58% of women in the Malta workforce, 67.8% of women around the world in work, 50% of the workforce in the United States is women, and statistically proven that women are assigned 10% more work in their vocation than their male counterparts, that they achieve the same completion rate, tells us that they're being industrious. And we'd assume that men and women are we equal in the workplace, but just that statistic that, that women work harder uh, kind of suggests that there is a bit of a, a difference there. However, across Europe, the pay gap is 13% in 
in favour of men who occupy the same positions. Slightly better in Malta, with a pay gap sitting at 10%. 38% of women have experienced harassment in the workplace. Women represent less than 5% of CEOs around the world. And a recent global poll found that nearly 70% of women accepted the salary that they were offered without negotiating, whilst only 52% of men did the same. So again, we're not male bashing, we're empowering women. So before we look at that in detail with regards to the community of women, I want to just bring this right down and make it personal because you've each mentioned challenges that you have faced. And I'm going to start with you, Fran. Give me an example of what your biggest challenge is or has been in the workplace during your career. And and also, was this ever affected by a gender issue? So what's the biggest challenge that you've ever faced? Before I go into that, I'd just like to add one more statistic I, I, I read on the way here in Malta um, when it comes to board level representation, 9.9% mm-hmm. are women. That's 9.9. That's very low. Yes. That's insane. I can believe it. So from my experience, I can believe yeah. it. But there's a, there's a reason for that. That was in 2021. So I don't know if it has changed much. I couldn't find anything more it. recent, but I doubt it. But um, there's a reason for that. Yes, We're going to come to that. Good grief. Yes, We're yes, stepping ahead. Yes, yes. So, so biggest, we biggest, there. biggest challenge. Yeah. Um, well, I didn't recognize it before because I was very young. Um, and when you're young, you know, you have less knowledge of certain things. Um, you know, um, one of my bosses used to say, with age comes wisdom. And, you know, in time, I learned to see that he was right, even though I found it very, you know, old man would say at the time I was like <laughs> what do you know um but is it's microaggressions in the workplace you know that sometimes we don't tend to notice like girl and if you don't wear makeup one day you know are you ill mm-hmm. or things <laughs> no that's my face in general or you know being um you know we, we, we had a meeting at one point um and uh, a very important executive came at the meeting at the time. Um, and I was, you know, he, he walked in and he said, he looked at me, he said, can I have some coffees? Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, I like one too. <laughs> I'm a bit rude, but, um, you know. So again, you know, you see, I called myself, I'm a bit rude. I wasn't rude. But again, this microaggression where someone is assertive, was a bit sarcastic, you know. Because in you're the a woman, it sounded rude. Exactly, you know, they you're call rude. call it passive-aggressive. Exactly, exactly. But, but Fran just used the term microaggression. I've never heard that before, but that's fantastic. I read about when it the accidentally. Of... Accidentally, I read about it, where uh, there was, um, um, when there was the um, a move on LinkedIn related to racial bias in the mm-hmm. workplace, and some incredible women from minority groups were talking about this term, exactly this microaggression, which I've never encountered before, because, you know, in my privilege, I was not affected by it, so I was not aware of it, but I then, when I looked into it, because if something interests me, I tend to go down a bit of a rabbit hole, <laughs> you know, I found that microaggressions, you know, happen in circumstances, whether personal or professional, were like what we would call in layman's term, like this sly little comments, you know, to reinforce 
bias or to reinforce an opinion that we have. So these little things, I think we all came across them in the workplace. And maybe at some point we even have used them ourselves because they become so ingrained in our day-to-day language, you know, like things like moody, Mm -hmm. you know. So if you you go into work and you're not in high spirits, oh, she's moody. If a man goes into work and they're not in high spirits, you know, he has a lot on his plate. Correct. You see the different terminology. So terminology. So that, you know, it's something that I came to realize much later. But the biggest challenge for me has been as a working mother. Now, I I should have looked into this before I didn't. But, you know, (laughs) when I moved to Malta and then I remained pregnant, I saw that the maternity leave is three months. Right. That's that's bad. That's really bad. Um, there's not near enough time to even have your bits and bolts come back into place, uh, let alone go back to work full time. Uh, pumping milk in a two by two room is not necessarily empowering, um, nor um, human um, to, 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 to a great extent. And running on two hours sleep whilst everyone expects you to be sharp performing. and performing is, is incredibly tasking and exhausting. Um, and there is very little understanding of that. Um, and um, it's no surprise that we see um, less and less women opting for families. I mean, you know, that there is still a good proportion that don't want to take that route and that's absolutely fine. But there is still a large proportion that are not taking that route because of the hardships that we have. And we're going to unpack that topic as well, yeah, yeah. because you've, you've mentioned just in the opening of this, this show, <laughs> so bombs, doom, doom, doom. Yeah, a whole bunch of bombs there that we're going to have to uh, to explore. Yeah. But on and, the point and, of, sorry, but and on, go ahead. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll come to that in a second. I'm still wanting to set the groundwork here by just exploring the biggest challenge. Your biggest challenge, apart from the microaggression, is also being a mum after three months going back to work and having all the challenges that a new mum would have, but also being expected to perform exactly the same as you had done beforehand. Sarah, your biggest challenge, just and whether or not it's gender-related, it might not be gender-related, but your biggest challenge? I think it it, it is gender-related because I think my biggest challenge was being undermined not being appreciated with what value I could bring to the table. It was always about what the men could bring. So as a woman, and obviously some time ago, I think even today, it's not as easy to get your point across about many issues that are faced for women in the workplace. So... Besides, obviously, the struggles that she went through, which are the same things that I went through, um, the expectations of a woman to have children, to carry on working, to, you know, the man is free from all that. Um, The man is not expected. So sleepless nights, when they're sick. I mean, there's so many things that play an important part in when you're building your business. So, yes, it's difficult for a woman. It's very difficult. Um, we face more challenges. But this is why I always say that the determination is important here. So we shouldn't allow these obstacles that we face um, take us back because uh, men don't have those obstacles. It's, I'm going to quote, I, I happen to have quoted this earlier today, but we had um, Mariana Demek 
on the show talking about menopause and one of the things that Mariella said and it's really stuck with me I've quoted it I've requoted it and I'll keep requoting it she said women have all of these challenges but how do we keep functioning because we're women and we just do mm -hmm. yes and even when we have menopause as I have, which is a phenomenal change. I mean, we just carry on. Like she said, you have children. It takes you time. Mm. Your body, your, not only mentally, but also physically. Well, see, this is a whole topic in itself. So we're going to really explore yeah. that in a second. But your biggest challenge is just, just say, not being respected I, as a woman. Not be, I think being undermined, yes. Not, undermined. not being valued mm. for what you can contribute. Yeah. Amber, your biggest challenge in your career so far? I mean, I can relate to um, not being, not feeling like my voice was giving, given value. But perhaps in my naivety, um, perhaps not, I attributed that to being young. So I, for instance, I was um, elected to be part of the Executive Council of the Chamber of Architects and Civil Engineers when I was in my mid-20s. And I went on to be to become vice president in my early 30s. Congratulations. Thank you. Well yes. done. Congratulations. <laughs> That's you. a great accomplishment. Thank you. Um, and in that time, especially at the beginning, I found myself um, sitting at um, tables in boardrooms, mostly with men, very powerful men um, in the industry. And I did feel I had to work harder to, for my voice to be heard. But as I said, I attributed that to my being young. Um, I have faced challenges in, with, with regards to terminology. Um, I have had a client's husband tell me not to worry my pretty little head, mm -hmm. and I'm not paraphrasing those exact words. I've had a contractor defy instructions that he was given on my site um, under the mistaken impression that he was going to get away with it because he was working with women and he didn't. Um, I've had a property agent who, when I was introduced by my client as her perit, replied with how sweet. Can you imagine saying <sighs> that to a man? undermining, see? Um, but I, I think the, the one, the, the experience that startled me most was when I experienced um, unconscious bias from a colleague a fellow professional. Um, about a year ago, I went through a situation where I felt that an injustice was being carried out and I made quite a difficult decision. Well, to me, it was a difficult decision to fight it, to stand up for the prin my principles, what I believed in. Um, many months later, I was having a conversation with a colleague of mine who had been involved and he said, um, you know, Amber, I have to tell you, I really admired your feistiness going through that. And he didn't mean it in a derogatory way. He meant it as a compliment and it came from a good place. But it's such a gender centric word, right? I've never heard a man being described as feisty. Mm. A man in the same context would have been described as strong or determined, or courageous, ambitious, ambitious. Assertive. Assertive. and that for me was disappointing because it, it really shone a light on the reality that the prejudice is still there, the prejudice still exists, and education, at least alone, is not going to solve the problem, um, there, there, a change in mentality has to happen, and has to be thorough, and has to be deep. 
We are, I mean, good Lord of fire. We could be here for about five <laughs> hours. But thank you for, you know, just identifying a whole bunch of, I'm just going to throw out my questions and we're just going to talk about exactly what you said because uh, we're going to also talk about some positive aspects of being women in a moment. But before we get there, I remember, Sarah, when we interviewed, one of the things that stuck in my mind was that the terminology that you had been addressed with and you had said, I think it was, you know, instead of being ambitious, you were bossy, were bossy. And instead of being um, driven, Assertive, you driven. were, uh-huh. and these are words that we mm-hmm. generally, all of us, and again, this isn't man bashing, this is empowering women, but to understand what we do in those circumstances, when somebody says to us, you're bossy. I mean, I, I had, adore you Sarah because you really are driven and you have had these amazing challenges and you've just focused and kept going and I can see that these two women that are your peers sitting at the table do having done exactly the same thing so let me ask you when somebody uses terminology that is feisty or bossy or any of the terminology that you just identified as well. Again, I'm assuming we can use that word microaggression, perhaps in these circumstances. What do we do? What what do we do to diffuse that terminology? I'm going to ask you, Fran, first, because you you obviously work in this sphere of, yes, of empowering yes. women to in their careers. For, for me, it depends in of the context that yeah. this happens and the vibe that I'm getting from the other person, because... In certain circumstances, like you mentioned with your colleague, it's something that sits there unconsciously. And a lot of us, even ourselves, women are guilty of that, of unconscious bias, whether it's gender, racial, sexuality bias, or whatever it may be. So for me, it depends a lot on the context. Now, we can learn to identify, you know, contexts that do require an immediate you know, unequivocal response. And then there are contexts that require, you know, perhaps a more social conversation or by replicating certain words that people start to get used to them. So in the context of your colleague, like you said, if it wasn't malicious or something like that, you know. It's complimentary. Exactly. (laughs) You know, for for him or her, you know, it was complimentary. I would have said, you know, you know, thank you. You know, but I I, I thought I was quite assertive. I wouldn't necessarily call them out on on it in that context. I would perhaps try and fix if it really offended me but then there are other contexts that do require and I'll, I'll give you an example I was once at a business meeting and um, we had we had a drink and uh, when it came for for the bill to pay I took up my my card and he was like no no don't worry I always pay when I'm out with a girl and that for me was an unacceptable comment at that point in time so I said well first of all I'm not a girl I'm a woman second of all my husband is older than you my love and third of all (laughs) I can pay for my own drink um now that for me warranted a very was it a business occasion yes it was it was was. and and in a business occasion say when I'm out with a girl I pay I, I didn't like that at all um inappropriate for the context inappropriate for the time um, and that, for me, I felt it necessary to have it called out mm-hmm. in a very direct, assertive way. Now, whoever's listening this, you might think, oh, again, oh, she's so rude, this one, ain't she? Right? Um, but in certain situations, assertiveness is required. So for me, it's all about context and how we address this. But also, it could be a silent. Again, you know, I was um, at an event and there was this 
particular gentleman, I'm sure his intentions were absolutely fine um, and not uh, nefarious at all. But he said, you know, um, bring some drinks for the lady. I didn't like the gesture. And I said, actually, I'm going to order my own drink because I want something different. And they did not expect that at all. So again, it depends on the context and how you, how the context and the words make you feel. We don't need to be, to put people on the spot all the time. Sometimes mm -hmm. we, we have to do it. Other times we can work in softer ways as well. Um, I mean, there, there is a saying, you, you catch more flies with honey, but you even catch even more with manure. So you need to see what, what you need to use. Yeah, you, need, you use honey Absolutely. or you use manure. So, you know, see, see the context, um, what is appropriate. Mm -hmm. And uh, don't, don't, don't be afraid, but don't be foolish either. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's correct. Before I come to Sarah, because we've already spoken about this, and I want to, to find out how you resolved your issues. Amber, how did you deal with that situation? How, how then did you move on from that? What, did you say anything? Did you pull it out? Did you call them out? I think there were, um, during that particular discussion, there were bigger issues for me. Um, so no, I, I agree that context is, is very important and intention, because if someone is doing, you know, is doing, if, is saying something or doing something, if the action is intentional, it's one thing. And if it's um, unconscious, perhaps it's something else. Um, for me, I think it's more important to push, um, to encourage women, especially young women who um might allow those situations to influence them negatively. Um, having, I, I think I'm I'm very lucky because I grew up um, in a in a context where I was surrounded by very strong personalities, and um, I also have quite a strong personality. So these these situations that I I was describing didn't bother me. They weren't a hindrance. They were more a frustration or a disappointment. I just kept on, you know. I kept kept on moving, kept on doing doing my thing. Um, I I will say that I I felt that I had to prove myself perhaps more than my male colleagues did. But again, for me, I attributed that to youth, and that's only fair enough, you know. It's a it's a a learning curve, um, a living experience, and you, you build on every experience to develop yourself professionally. You mentioned strong women there, and we've got three strong women around the table. I'm going to ask this strong woman, how did you deal with the issue when someone referred to you as bossy and used those terms instead of what may be used to address a male counterpart? The same thing as knowing the context, but if anybody did call me something, because it could be bossy, it could be aggressive, it could be, you know, I would always ask, why? Explain yourself. And generally, the men don't even know how to explain themselves when they're being um, approached in a way where I'm not offended. I'm fine with it. Because your opinion is your opinion and my opinion matters more. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, so, mm -hmm. you know, exactly. So they feel uncomfortable. But the root of the problem goes back with what men think. Mm -hmm. And their un unconscious bias is that they look at a woman as a commodity. They look at a woman as being pleasure, um, cooking their dinner, looking after the kids, cleaning the household. This is how the men look at women. 
So this has to change. Mm -hmm. And I think us, you, everyone here as parents with their sons, they have to teach them how to respect women, how to treat them well, because they shouldn't Mm -hmm. undermine a woman and expect a woman to clean the kitchen, to -hmm. do the laundry, to look after the kids. You know, they're both parents. They should do it equally. That is an age-old issue. Yes. Since the beginning of time, I would say. But I'm going to stick with you for a second because, Sara, you know, you are a strong woman. And we're talking about here about the things that women are encountering that are negative. But as much as we are encountering negative challenges... I think we can batter on about the pay gap and so on until the cows come home. But to empower women, we need to give some positive, positive encouragement. And as I said, today, earlier today, I was talking to to women about uh, working in the workplace, uh, coincidentally. And one woman said, women marry skills with men. In a good working environment, you have both respecting each other and they're both there providing different skills and different uh, outlooks into solving problems. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to stick with you, and then I'm going to come again uh, to to these other beautiful ladies. Women do have qualities that men don't possess, and I think so often we don't appreciate that. So your advice, Sara, you've you've battled, you've gone head on. (laughs) What is it as a woman that we have in our toolbox that we don't even necessarily know that we have, that we can pull out and we can push ourselves forward? I think women have more empathy and they have more um, emotional intelligence. So I think the leaders or the the woman must realise, because this is where the problem lies, the woman must realise that they should bring out their confidence, you know, go for it. Don't don't be scared. Um, and the more people undermine you, that means that you, you're doing something right. Mm-hmm. Because I always say, nobody kicks a dead dog. Mm-hmm. Forget <laughs> it. So if you're actually being undermined by men, it means that they are feeling threatened. Mm-hmm. So you should build your confidence on that. And be motivated to... Do what you want to do what you feel is right for you, um, woman or man. It doesn't make a difference whether you're a woman or a man. I don't see the difference. You know, I didn't grow up thinking, ah, oh, I'm a woman in a man's industry. Should I do it? Should I not? It's what I like to do. So I just went for it. Mm-hmm. But I built the confidence to do it. And motivation is you have it sometimes, you don't have it sometimes. I think the most important thing to have is discipline. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. These women are are nodding. I'm nodding as well because I've just heard this today. Again, a woman was talking about what we do in the workplace and and was talking about be confident. And if you don't feel confident, fake it until you make it because confidence demands respect. And once you start gaining confidence, it's it's going to accelerate and you will be more confident. You have to wear confidence every day. Mm -hmm. It's like you're putting on your specs or you're putting on your watch or you're doing something. I always say you wear confidence. You have to wear it. And this is where it's so important. And I I think that uh, then runs into believing in yourself. Um, And I I 
one experience I had, I when I when I decided I wanted to become an architect, I decided that uh, you know I was going to go down this route. I I always loved architecture. I was about five or six years old. Someone handed me a book. I spent the entire evening flipping through this book. So I think it was always in me. But um, when it came time to sign up for um, university to decide what course I wanted to read for, and I I chose architecture, I announced this to my family. And my my granddad, my nannu, who anyone who knows me knows that I had a great relationship with my nannu. We were so close. We we really got on. Um, I had a lot of respect for him as a person and professionally. He was also in the in the industry, so um, his opinion meant a lot. So I announced to the family, you know, I'm going to I'm going, I'm going to start architecture in October. And he said he said it's it's not a good idea. It's a man's job. He said, what are you going to do? You're going to be on site. He was worried. He was worried. It was protection. He wanted Uh to protect me. So he he said, you're going to be on site. You're going to be giving builders and contractors instructions. You're going to be telling them what to do. And um, as Sarah said, Mm -hmm. he did it for, it was a protection mechanism for me. He didn't want me to be undermined or bullied. bullied. Um, but because I was raised in the way in which I was raised, I, I had um, a very strong, very, very well-educated, well-read grandmother who pushed me very hard academically. And my mom is a powerhouse. She is brilliant. <laughs> she is definitely my role model. Um, she's always had um, um, very difficult, high-pressure jobs. She's very well-respected in her, in her field. Um, so I, I grew up in that environment Gender was never even an issue for me. It never even occurred to me that this might be a hindrance. And even though I respected his opinion so much, generally, this particular statement went in from one ear and out of the other. Mm. It didn't even sit with me for for two seconds. I never wavered. And um, I went on to, to start the course in October. And I think he respected me for it. So coming back to the question that I posed to Sarah there, what do you feel like you had or other women have that are in our toolbox that we don't necessarily pull out? I mean, we're going to come to role models in a second because I think this is really, really relevant. We're going to come back to your, to your mum in a second. But even if she gave you some guidance, what are, the, role, what are the, 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 the assets that women have to take to the workplace, to be positive, to empower them that perhaps we don't use? Well, we've got empathy from from Sarah. We've got emotional intelligence and persistence because okay. you've mentioned that before. To be fair, I think that every woman is different. Every woman has her own strengths and her own weaknesses, just like every man. So I think it's about, I think confidence is very important because it allows you to look within yourself and understand what your competences are, and then feel empowered to take that road to to demonstrate your competences professionally per, personally in social situations it's it's very um it's down to the individual like i don't think it's something that i can generalize okay fran it's a hard one um because i i do agree to some extent that you know we all have our strengths and weaknesses regardless of the gender but one thing that is very interesting, if we look at um, companies that are being run by women, so CEO or board levels, they do perform better. Now, one of the reasons that those companies... Because of the empathy. 
Yes, but also um, it's due to the fact that women assess risk differently than men. <laughs> so men tend to go for... <laughs> I'm just laughing ahead off over there. <laughs> men tend to go for riskier, you know, ventures, riskier investments. You know, they take higher risks, higher risk, higher rewards, but not always. Whereas women sit more at the moderate side. They analyse more long term and they analyse the impact that any decision would have both financially but also from the soft perspective. So you mentioned emotional intelligence and and the other areas. And also companies that are run by women have fewer regulatory fines than companies run by men. Um, I found this out recently when I was oh. at a conference. Um, and this is because, again, women take less risk that could, you know, essentially come and bite you from your behind later down the line. That doesn't make it, and you know... A, a universally true statement, but it is a statistic like all of the others. Could it be because um, women are less ruthless? I, I, I don't know, because I think ruthless sometimes is described in the wrong way, you know. There is there is being ruthless in, in the context of, you know, sort of making your path, and then there is ruthless destroying others. So it mm -hmm. depends how we look at it. Because um, I think a woman's instinct is... I think it's in us because we have babies because we have well, children. Well, it is primarily protective. I mean, this is you know, this, so, this is so, definitely an anthropological aspect. Yes. You know, men are hunters, women so, are gatherers. So exactly. So it's we do DNA. bring that difference <laughs> to the table. Yes, yes, yes. That's a big difference. Yes, yes. Which is why, you know, back in the 80s on the trading floor in Wall Street, you would see men because it's all that risk taking. Yes. You know, um, it would it would be very you know different for a, for a woman. You know, in in that respect. So. For me, I would say, you know, more calculated risk um, and from a business perspective, I think that's very, very important. I've heard this before and I think it's an incredible point and, and I think it's one that, that should be highlighted more often. I'm going to kind of shift a little bit because Amber said something a minute ago that I, I hadn't anticipated discussing, but I think it's something that's really important to discuss and it's something I've mentioned before. I grew up in a, in a, in a home where the, my mother was a very strong, very strong woman. But I also grew up in a country where the two most powerful people in the country were the women. women. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when it came to me, you know, someone saying to me, hey, listen, do you want to do radio? Do you want to do this? I never even questioned myself because I had looked at these role models who just got on with it. And whether or not you, for instance... And talking about labels, Margaret Thatcher was called Iron the Lady. Iron Lady mm. because she was ruthless, mm. but she guided the, the country through some of the very diff most difficult but times. But she was compassionate. She was yes, compassionate, yes, but yes. she also had to make some really tough yes. decisions. But she's not described like that in no, most she's cases. Not. So you know, she's more on the Iron Lady. Exactly. It's more on the negative side. Yes. Of, like we said, it's ruthless carving your path, making decisions, navigating, and then it's ruthless, you know, on the negative connotation. And usually they use it with a negative connotation. And we know, go back Because to, she was a woman. We go back yes, to those I, labels. I, I do believe that, actually. Yes. I do. I do. And when, that. and uh, very sadly, when she passed away, uh, there was a lot of uh, younger generations who were really, really pretty nasty towards this woman you have yes. to look at it in context of what the time was and yes. what we were dealing with we were dealing with the end of the cold war and all of these sorts of things and and that needed empathetic 
negotiation that probably a woman was better at at the time. So I grew up with role models. You've just mentioned you grew up with a very positive role model Absolutely. in your mother. So I'm going to ask you, I mean, Sarah, I know yours, so I'm going to come to Fran first before we come to <laughs> you. You heard it before, anyway. But actually, yeah. just as a general thing, I think that um, in, in Malta, we are not familiar enough with national role models who are women. Around Women's Day, I had I watched the film The Suffragettes, and um, it it got me thinking. You know what 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 happened around that time in Malta, and actually there were women who fought for mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. us to have the vote mm-hmm. um, back in I think it was 1912 or something like that. Mm-hmm. I can't quite remember, but um, they laid the the road, the paved stones that we are walking on today, and we don't know about them. And I think that is that is um, that's a pity, because if if that was discussed at school as part of our history, then perhaps young girls would feel that they have uh, women well, and, to look up to. And we're we're going to come to you, Fran. So prepare yourself. But, but yeah. you didn't. You mentioned that there's also a TV series, um, Women of the St George Cross Island, which is all about because when we look at Second World War. And the reason that it was written and it was produced and it, it was aired on television, because when we look at the Second World War, we quite often think of men going to war, going out, going fighting and so on and so forth. These women are the women who were doing incredible things during the Second World War here in Malta uh, and contributed to Malta beating. Yes, practically the, running the country. The enemy. Yes, and yes. how frustrating must it have been? After the war ended, to be told, okay, now now you're done. Go back home. Exactly, go, go back, back home. home. And that's and why that so lit many... a fire yeah. under these women to, yeah, to push forward. And, and it's thanks to them. I feel that I don't have to face the struggles that they had to face. I think there's a lot of... There should be a lot of gratitude there. Mm-hmm. Well, Fran, I'm coming to you because we've got three very strong women around the table role models you're a strong woman did you have a role model in your life that that gave you that fire yes yes absolutely for probably like you know for for all the others at this table it was my mother perhaps though in a very different context to what was described here and I'd like to go through it a little bit if that's okay because it brings me to to a point which I think is very important in the context of women in the workplace um so my hero was 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 my mum um and um she, you know, in, in Romania, you know, she grew up during, you know, after the war and then in the communist times and uh, she had a very um, hard life. And um, she was my role model because in spite of everything that, you know, five children working full time, um, you know, with a very harsh um, home environment, um, we have all ended up being educated. And even though we were very poor, um, we grew up incredibly poor, um, she never let that stop us. I remember I used to tell her, when I go to school, I, th- I used to tell her, Mom, I'm really hungry, you know, I haven't eaten it for days. She was like, Fran, no one knows this, okay? So don't show it. Oh. Put on your clothes and walk with your head high. And... I did that. It was very hard. It was very hard. Sorry, can I stop you? Because you're talking about a situation that I think most of us don't relate to and don't understand. (laughs) Fortunately. You, and and I am aware of what was happening in Romania at the time, but you really went to school not having eaten for a number of days. 
I spent until I left to London and that's that's how how it was and it was like that for a lot of other children um in you know it was quite a, a what, small, what year small did you go city. to London? I left in 2007ish I think wow I think wow. I think uh, we didn't have money for uniforms for example you know um at school even though my parents had a very good job we had a very you know um distorted family environment let's put it that way so even though it looked on the outside that money should, should be there there wasn't any whatsoever um so for me it was my mum always made sure that uh, you know we've done we've done well in school she looked after us all the time uh, but we also had to look after ourselves because she was gone from seven o'clock in the morning to nine o'clock in the evening so uh, you had to to look after yourself you know you had to to be independent i mean if you do Stand something on your own. yes absolutely if you do something stupid and die you die it is what it is i mean you need to to be responsible for yourself and for me that meant that i i started with adversity um in in my life so there wasn't a different way that I knew. I didn't know how it is to have things, how it is to be comfortable, how it is, you know, to to have that sort of privilege. And I think this is very important in the context of women in the workplace because there are still a lot of cases like that in this day and age that we do not give due consideration to because it's very easy to talk about gender pay gap, you know, and breaking the glass ceiling, but we still have children that come from broken families that don't have the necessary means but what happened is that not all women perhaps have that sort of strength like my mum did and you know we're judging them you should be confident you should be this mm -hmm. but it's not always possible so it's also a collective responsibility to create an environment where women do feel safe mm -hmm. to speak up now if my mum had gone to the police station at the time well and she did many times no one would even you know take you into consideration it would actually get even worse and it's still like that today mm. nothing changed a lot in the last 30 years or what changed changed very little so here i think we all have a collective duty to not only speak about confidence but create the right support system to support the most vulnerable families or individuals or members of society that do not have the privilege that other people do so for example my daughter she's very funny <laughs> she came um, she was talking at school and she came one day to me and home said mom we're poor i said <laughs> based on what <laughs> and she was like we don't have a house with a sw swimming pool i said honey we have a house <laughs> that's number one now that that's um another topic mm. yes oh uh, yeah i'm because sorry my jaw was just open there like when children are at school and they boast about what they have yes. to other pe other children who do not have. That's a form of bullying, hmm. you know. And it's an unconscious form yes, of bullying. Yes, definitely, hundred yes. percent. I agree. You know, and these problems all start from there. So you've got, you know, like we were saying before, the men being treating a woman as oh, women are supposed to cook, women are supposed to look after the kids, women are supposed to do this, women are supposed mm. to do the shop, women this, women that. Till today, I mean, there are 30-year-olds, 35-year-olds getting married. The woman does the, the shop. Mm. The woman cleans the house. The woman does the laundry. 
the woman looks after the child and sees the, where the child taken to, to, to childcare. Yes, there are some men who help, but they are the minority. So how do we help women gain that confidence of, like your mother did, keep going, keep your head up high, you know? Can I can I reference, and, and I'll probably ch challenge you as well, Sarah, because I'm going to reference a guest that I've interviewed a number of times and for me is a massive, massive inspiration here in Malta, and that's Helga Lull. Yes. Helga Lull came to Malta from Germany when she was 27 years old. She came here in 1974, the year I was born. She drove down from Germany in a Volkswagen Beetle and she came to set up Playmobil in this country and she came on her own and she was a woman who was put in that position because she'd stood up for herself in a very uh, patriarchal society. Now Helga has retired but she is mentoring young women and I think oh, that's fantastic. if we don't have uh, mentors in our lives if we don't have role models in our lives we as older women have the opportunity to share stories like yours or like yours or like yours mm -hmm. and pass on that that inspiration to mm -hmm. younger women i would love sarah and i'm going to say this on the spot i'd love you to to pass on your experience and your uh, passion and your strength to younger women because not everybody has the those those role models in our lives. Helga has decided she's retired and she's decided she's going to keep doing it. She's going to mentor young mentor young women to be as empowered as they can be. Mm -hmm. And and not all of us are fortunate enough to have that in no. our lives. I mean, you did you did come from a strong coming back to you because I promised I would. I, would come I thought to you. you forgot me. I didn't. <laughs> never. Sorry, Greg. Never ever could I forget you. But. Who did you have in your life that has, has led you to be such a strong woman? I think equally, both my parents. Absolutely, because my mother had certain strengths and my father had certain strengths. And my mother, as, as I told you, came from, um, she was Lebanese, came, they were living in Egypt, came to Malta. They came with nothing. They came from a wealthy family, but left because they had British passports and came to Malta with absolutely nothing in their pockets. Um, my dad did not, did not come from a, a wealthy family, so we were brought up not, I would say, uh, poor, but we were, you know, sort of like struggling. And then my father did his utmost, and he worked so hard, you know, to make it. And he did. He made it. He sent us to school overseas. They tried to do a lot of what they didn't have for their children. Very admirable for me. I mean, it was impressive because they really struggled. They worked really hard. So both equally, I would say, because they had different strengths. Um, and I'm very grateful for what they've done. Extremely grateful. I, obviously, because you are really one of those women that that I think all of us should find out more about. I, and I'm going to keep encouraging everybody to watch the interview because it really is. And it's very funny as well. So I've very watched funny, it twice. Lady. You have? You have. <laughs> oh, it's worth a watch. Absolutely. I'm still here sipping my wine, listening. Really interested. <laughs> I want to touch on a topic that's kept 
being discussed around the the table and it's it's been discussed an awful lot and touched on an awful lot and that is this aspect of women having a family um you know i, I keep saying i keep coming back to this mariela mariela demek statement women just get on with it but to to you said uh, fran you said something that's really impacted me during the course of of this show and that is i it's my first opportunity to really sit down and speak to mothers new mothers women who are going through that at the moment and and discovered that that postpartum yeah look at me with that word <laughs> uh period the three months after having had a, a child you mentioned you said physically you aren't even in the same place no. it takes a takes long time to recover <laughs> so can you advise, can you offer some some encouragement to women who are going through that period? Mm. Because as you said, I, we hear these menopausal brain fog, yes. baby brain. It's true. Is it? It, it is. Yeah, bloody that's troll. so unfair, the baby brain. I put the laundry in the oven, man. <laughs> I did. I did not turn the bloody thing on, thank God. I would have said the house, so I oh put gosh. the laundry in the oven. Listen, ladies, See, ladies, you know what? You're so tired. Yeah. You are so exhausted. So how you know? do you encourage I mean, other don't, women? People don't realize. Don't. Not, even your, <laughs> listen, not even your own children understand until they have all. their own. Yeah. And it happens to all you know? of us. And I, I say, for example, because I... But they say, how did you do it, three children? How did you manage? How did you go to work? Did you actually go to work? I mean, I, I can't I remember really, I can really it. relate to that because I come home after a day's work absolutely exhausted i don't have children and i think to myself how does your mom do how it? on earth would i manage to keep a human alive you see you know in this situation <laughs> you're I'm barely keeping myself see? Alive. and how does your mother do it i have no idea how you she see? did it but i will tell you i don't have any you know stories to share on, on this subject of my <laughs> own but my mom was in labor and she was um and someone had had um, been drive. sent to the hospital to ask her a question about work <laughs> by her boss while she was in labor so that's um yes <laughs> well i'm on your side of the fence because i don't have a family either and i'm i'm also having gone through this this show now have newfound respect for mothers and working mothers but an advice from from both of you a, a word of encouragement and empowerment for women who are in that position Sorry for you. I mean, as as in, women, if they have children, women who are, are planning children, are thinking about children, just had children, are struggling with children. Sorry. You carry on, Amber. <laughs> we don't, we don't, don't, don't give her anymore. I will give her anymore. anymore. <laughs> One glass is enough for you. <laughs> we don't mind the sound of clinking wine. Um, but for any woman who is is thinking of a family, having a family, had a family in that position where she's just wondering, how the hell do I go on with my job when my <laughs> baby brain and my body are, are betraying me? I think that the, the joy and the pleasure that you gain from having children would surpass all the jobs that you have to do, how tired you get. What you need to do is be very organized and dedicated because... Time is of the essence and time is, in a way, our enemy because we can't get, you know, more of mm. it. So you need to plan ahead, organize. I mean, I remember myself, if I just think really clearly, um, wake up 
4 a.m. in the morning, prepare uh, lunch, uh, prepare not, not actually cook, but prepare the ingredients so that mm. when I come home, they're ready to cook, mm -hmm. ready to go. You know, so, so you don't you waste any your... time then. Exactly. So you, you're living your life as in always um, getting yourself set to just do it. Military regiment. You know, <laughs> um, clothes packed. So if I had, you know, Benji's clothes, Samira's clothes, Hannah's clothes all ready for the morning. So when they get up, they just put on their clothes. You know, like everything is set. So then, then yes, you can leave the house on time. Then you can have their breakfast ready. Then you can get home and have dinner ready quickly, you know. But you have to be organized. And like I said last time, most important, you need to sacrifice. You need to know how to say no. That is where your success comes in then. And you'll be okay. And for you, Bren? Um, first of all, three. Well done. Thank you. I stopped at one. <laughs> More than enough. <laughs> I should have had six, but I had only three. Oh, Lord. Yeah. Um, impressive. So impressive. impressive. Admirable. Thank you. Um, for me, I would say, if you're thinking of starting a family, I would say that the number one, the choice of partner is absolutely critical. I would not be where I am today. I would not run two businesses and have the career I've had without my husband. Um, so I need to cheers to that because I like that comment. Yes, absolutely. So it means that he's helpful. Oh, more than. So just to so. give you the basics, he he's the one that does all the cooking. Um, not because people wouldn't eat my food. They wouldn't, to be fair. <laughs> pretty bad um i just chuck it in and you know it's there you're not gonna starve um if what I is get it, dinner it's, in, it's in an in i will definitely think about that one i do cook though very nice traditional romanian food oh, that's all okay, okay, okay but i cook at christmas and and easter and if someone dies or there's a wedding and that's it i think um, i call that glory cooking yes um, so the choice of partner is incredibly important. He was up with me the night I was up. Um, he cooks. Uh, he puts the laundry because you know he knows the laundry stresses me out and I hate it and I don't want to do it. Um, and he's very supportive across the board. Now, if he wouldn't be all of these things, it would be impossible for me to do the job that I do because I would simply not have the time. 24 hours for a mother is not the same as 24 hours for someone Correct. who doesn't have children. And this is not to be disparaging, but it is a reality. Because by the time we get to work at nine, I've been up for five hours, my yes. love. I'm already tired. Yes, but Fran, it's very you know? difficult to know if you've chosen the right partner. But I have a trick I for that. I thought I did. I have a trick for that. See how I they treat their I mother. Please share. See how they treat their mother. When they go, they sit down waiting to be served. How do they talk to her? So, how so you are going to are? you judge you judge a man by how he treats his mother. Yes. Okay. It's a good indicator. Not always. Okay. But it's a good There's indicator. There's a lot of lessons to be learned there. If you see someone going at their mom's house, sit down, fit up, serve me. I can tell you a lot. Yeah. Lessons on love. Can I just say because this is a totally, <laughs> totally different show, but I wish I'd met you when I was about. 18. Uh. <laughs> that would have been. You see, that, like, that is wisdom I can apply to my own but life. I learned and that well later. Done. I got married very young. My husband and I, we've been together. This year is going to be. I want, I'm not going to say. No, tell us. Almost 20 years. Nice. Good for you. Congratulations. Good for you. So I got married very young. I was married for 23 you. years. Yeah. Long time. But I didn't know that before, you know, um, what I've told you now, how to see. But I've realized it later when I had my daughter. 
Yes. That's when it clicked for me. So I would say that. Now, then, if you find yourself in the situation that you had to, like you said, it's important to be very realistic with what you can and what you cannot do. And to be very accepting, acceptant, yes, acceptant of yourself. Because as women, we tend to be very hard on ourselves. And I used to be like that. Because I used to feel guilty that, you know, I'm with my daughter at the park and I'm on my phone answering a, a work message or taking a work call and stuff like that. And I used to feel very guilty about that. But this is the reality that we live in. And I, I, I went back and I thought, you know, I didn't see my mother for, you know, hours on end during the day. I didn't, I never thought less of her. On the contrary, for me, I had to succeed because if she, if she did in those conditions, it would be an absolute abomination for me not to, exactly. not, not to do no, more. No, I respect her great, for it. Yeah, what a great, great uh, piece of advice to be easier on ourselves. Now, I have to say, ladies, we've come to the towards the end of this discussion That's and quick. we have had That's we quick, have yes. i'm sorry sarah i know <laughs> we we've had some incredible nuggets of wisdom and so i'm going to ask each of you to do probably an impossible task i'm going to ask you to finish this show with one sentence of wisdom that you would like to impart and i'm going to suggest imagine this impart to your younger self mm. And something that you would say to your younger self that applies to all women in the workplace and beyond, because we've had a lot of life wisdom here as well, and I'm thanking you for that. Um, I'm going to come to you first, Amber. One sentence. Can we try one se <laughs> One sentence of wisdom that you would impart You're to Dropping a self. hint there, Trudy. No, not at all. Absolutely <laughs> not. Make it quick. There's some more wine for you. I would say... Um, um, keep, keep the confidence going, because that serves you well in the in the long run and don't be so self-critical mm. which i think applies to a lot of women um women are i i believe more self-critical than men are so and i think that's a negative thing i love that that, that echoes what you just said there yes. um i'm going to come back we're going to bounce across to you fran your sentence i was trying to think now i have a few <laughs> seconds to think i'm listening i can't think. <laughs> no. what i would say i don't know no one is coming just you have to do it mm -hmm. you don't wait there is no savior there is no knight in shining armor there is no government policies you have to do it for you wow think of yourself yeah sorry you have the last word on this show one sentence of wisdom that you would like to impart to your younger self do not undervalue yourself you're worth much more. Beautiful. Well said. Ladies, cheers. cheers. What an absolutely beautiful cheers. show. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers. 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 Just like to say that Trudy's glass is emptier than mine. <laughs> <laughs>